Are you going to put on cans? Are you a cans I man? Are you going to do can? No cans today. No can, Sam. Ah. Tell me when you're prepared. I've reached preparedness. Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I'm Mark and I'm here with Seth. How are you, Seth? Smiling. Big, big. Do you see the bigly smile? Yes, I do. Big old <laughs> smile. How did you get the nail taken care of in your tire? I did. There Good. were two. I thought there was only Jesus. one. I got to the place and the guy looks at me. I said, I don't even know if that thing's leaking. He goes, it is. And there's two. Okay. Well, there you go. We have so much to fucking cover. There is a lot. We have so, so, so much to cover. Are we going to do emails first? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and talk about emails. So we were given two emails in this last week. Thank you. I love mm. emails. Man, do they make me feel good. Two of them. One of them from a guy named Robert Williams who has uh, emailed us before. He sent us a little uh, a mashup knowing that we were going to, of the song that we're going to do this week. Let's just get this out of the way. We're doing Down Under mm-hmm. by the band Men at Work. Yeah, not Land Down Under like I called it last week. It's just called Down Under. We are doing that song. He sent us a mashup of that uh, guy named Mighty Mike. Um, and uh, Anyway, it really wasn't that bad. We discussed it a little bit before the show. Maybe that made it on. I don't know. Uh, not sure how that works. But we got another email from a fella named Andrew Milner. And what a great email. Mm. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, some really good, some not good, excellent suggestions in it. And one of them we're going to address soon. You're going to hear about it. Thank you for your email. You're going to hear. Andrew suggested a really great song. I don't want to bring it up right a now. A couple of them. A couple of them, but one of them. One of them that really, well, really, really just. We'll car- we'll how did up. we miss that? Thank you, Andrew. I'd just like to say that preemptively right now. That's the first thing we need to address. Mark, what else we got? We got a five-star review. Another? We requested one. Holy shit. And we got exactly one. Uh, so I don't know how many people, I mean, I see how many people download it. Not, we're not blowing the door off the hinges or anything. But we did get a five-star review from 320 Maggie. Mm. Come for the lyrics, stay for Mark and Seth. Aww. The content of this pod is great. Mark and Seth and their guests have great insight into some wacky song lyrics. I always find what they have to say to be interesting and entertaining. Not only are these guys insightful and funny, but I find their conversations to be chock full of healthy masculinity, and that is rare these days. God damn. I listen every week. Are you kidding? I mean, thank you. That <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That strangely feels good? Well, I mean, I don't think it's strange. It does. It is. You know, I mean, the thing is, is people take, you know, masculinity to be, uh, you know, people talk a lot about toxic masculinity, and they don't real, you know, that, you know, that is to say that there is a healthy masculinity. There's no one out there, I think, saying that you can't be masculine. But um, there is something to be said for being masculine and not shitty to people that aren't masculine. I think it's just in, in modern parlance would just uh, give us uh, a math that masculinity now these days is bad. Days is bad. Whenever I hear the word used, it's automatically paired up with the word toxic. Yeah. So I've just kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and deleted the word as something that you know is maybe not necessarily the most 
positive things, but hearing those words come out of your mouth from a view in that way made me f- feel kind of good. Made me feel very good. So yeah. thank you very much, 320 Maggie. We appreciate very it. Sweet. If you uh, want to make a review, we'll read it. How about that? Hey. Um, but we we'd like for that. you to do it just because it helps us out. Uh, other things we need to talk about. I do want to mention also that I had a conversation with one of our listeners, Sai, who um, was getting caught up on some past episodes. And she did make a mention of something um, from the uh, last song we did, America's Horse With No Name. Okay. Um, she, she did mention that in the beginning lyric, he says, um, there was all kinds of life like plants and rocks. And she he mentions two or three different things that are not alive. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, good. Uh, so I like it when someone else, uh, but you know, it's very hard for us. There have been many episodes where immediately after we hit stop or a couple days later, one of us will say to the other one, I totally meant to mention this. Why didn't we say that? Yeah. 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 That happened oh, more oh, than man. a few times. Yeah. And I mean, I am not lying when I tell you, and this is, I mean, this is embarrassing. This is, you're, you're dealing with, such unprofessionals that I mean there are no I mean there are no notes guys I if I was doing this properly if we were doing this properly and I I have done notes a couple times when we did when we did police pro oh, police pro was shocked I had notes out the fucking ass and um I I should <laughs> you said professional Yes, <laughs> I should write down a bunch of notes and fucking have one of those boards with all the string going from one place to another. But I don't um, we we you know, so I just like to mention that I did when we started. He did. I tried to, but then I quickly abandoned them, realized that I should just Seth used to write his jokes out. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, you know, it and then, sounds embarrassing now because well, it kind of is. But, you know, you again, you want you're like you bring stuff up and you're like, I want to make sure I hit this topic. I, I want to make sure I hurt the hit this. Mark, I listened back to some early episodes and listened to, to where I crowbarred jokes in. And I do feel good in, in, in how refined I've become when it comes to podcasting. Now, these days, I feel a little better about what I do. But uh, it, it might have been a mistake. We still should probably take notes on things, though. We, we probably, we definitely should. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe one day. Um, and uh, I guess we'll also mention that we are recording on a Saturday, and tomorrow is Super Bowl Sunday. You seem to be cramming a lot lately. It's my fault for showing up late. I did have a kind of a busy week last week. Oh, it's week. okay. Yeah. Look, we're, we're a couple of very, very fucking busy. Look, I mean, Seth's got a wife and a kid. I've got him. Got two jobs. I got jobs and fucking trivia bands. And yeah, bands. You, I'm in. I, you know. I mean, so we're both going. We're both going pretty nutty. Yeah. And so it's tough. We we get get in where you fit in. Beating the brakes off. Of um. Life. But I always have a fun time. I whenever we get here, when, I always as have soon a good as time. sometimes I'll pull. I'll be like, oh, I gotta go do it. But then when I get here and we start talking, I get this big smile on my face, and I'm just happy that we're doing it. Good. Seriously, I'm happy we're doing it, Mark. So am I. I do have to say, uh, I think you asked me last week what was my pick. My pick is, I hate to say it, the Chiefs. This is the team you're rooting for or the team you think is going to win? That's my pick is the Chiefs team I'm rooting for because specifically because of Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. (laughs) I want them to win, but my pick is the Chiefs. I think Joey Bosa is going to put Mahomes on his ass. Oh, my God. And I think Christian McCaffrey runs all over him. 
That's your pick? I'm going 49ers. Awesome. I'm glad you I mean, I that. want them to win, and maybe that's why. I, I mean, the Chiefs are a great team. I also don't want the Chiefs to win because I don't want them to be uh, anything close to, to what the Patriots were. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's, that's a lot of catch-up. Um, <laughs> if you can... Give us a five-star review. We would appreciate it. Or whatever review. Go nuts. Um, and uh, lastly, I will mention that um, in keeping with the spirit of, uh, you know, us talking about it lately, we have fallen one spot to 241 in music commentary in Russia. Just can't keep it together. I know. Yeah. We're trying so hard. Mm. As Seth mentioned before, we're going to be talking about the song Down Under. Uh, by Men at Work. What's your history? Uh, it's right there with a lot of the songs that we've talked about in the past. Early 80s, watching MTV. We just watched the video for this, and it really, really kicked me in the old nostalgic nuts because I hadn't seen it in about 40 years and just completely forgot about it. But it was a part. It was ubiquitous with MTV. It was one that you're going to watch in the early days, and you're going to hear that song on the radio. Surprised to think that it came out in 81. I used to think that it was maybe a little bit late after that, like 82, 83 maybe. But yeah, this song came out earlier than I thought, but it was very much throughout those early years of the 80s, always there. I didn't, uh, I got to the point, I think this might have been one of the first songs in my life where I got to the point of getting tired of hearing it. Mm-hmm. I heard it so much on the radio and on MTV that I was like, eh, it's just I, I kind of don't want to hear it anymore. That being said, as far as musically, I don't think it's that terrible. I, we're going to talk about the lyrics and the vocal style, I think, at the same time. But I would like to say that I like just about any damn thing with a flute on it. I'm not a Jethro Tull fan. Really? But I like the flute in it. Yeah, I what like... What do you like about Jethro Tull? I... I don't. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe it's Ian Anderson's voice a little bit, a little bit. Because let's face it, the guitar sound is good. I just don't know if I like the structure of the songs all the time. Something about Jethro Tull never really struck me as all that great. But like I said, you got a flute in it. I'm gonna be listening to it. I like it, and I like the flute in this song as well. Um, what about you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember my parents having Business as Usual, the album that this came on. Mm. Um, and I remember hearing it, and it's a fun song to like. You know, it's a very catchy song, the flute part, the, you know, everything about it. The chorus is so fucking catchy. Uh, I should mention real quick, another thing I wanted to mention Please. is um, I just got done, I did some Netflix binging um and uh watched a couple different documentaries and one of them is a new documentary called the greatest night in pop i watched it last night what do you think it's incredible isn't i it? watched it thinking people have said this is good <laughs> so i gotta watch it by the end of it i was on my fucking feet just with dude my... so it's about what the a... recording of we are the world not about the just about the recording but about the assemblage oh. of writing the song of getting all the people together uh, now, I haven't finished it. I've got like five minutes left or something okay, like that. You're, you're good. But you're I, good. I mean, guys, <laughs> it's just it's hard to explain if you weren't alive in the 80s. I think even if you rattled off the names of the people, if you're I mean, I can only assume that if you're listening to this, you've heard of We Are the World. Let's put it this way. Willie Nelson, Ray Charles, Quincy Jones are all 
standing Bruce Springsteen, within Stevie Wonder, four feet Michael of each Jackson, other, Huey writing Lewis, a song. Cindy Lauper. It's just like this doesn't happen. Yeah, this this doesn't happen. Yeah, um, that was put together to basically try and raise money to stop the famine in Ethiopia. It, it what what really knocked my the whole thing when I'm sitting there going oh and and your name came up uh, I'm gonna explain it in a minute. But what really knocked my socks off is that you're watching everyone get together and work through these massive egos. It really kind of, I'm not going to say it went seamlessly, but it went and you got to watch how more often than not Lionel Richie came to be like a salve, the ointment on he everything. He was, he, and then at the end of it, he stands there and he goes, you know, the, they did it in a place called A&M Studios. And he's sitting in the studio and he's like, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that it happened. And he says, and now it's not happening. And he goes, but when I sit right here, he goes, I get the lucky uh, memory of thinking to myself, Michael stood right there. And he's in the studio and he just points yeah. and he goes and he sang his part. And Bruce sang his part right there. And he goes, and Huey Lewis and Cindy Lauper and Kim Carnes were standing right there. And he points back to all these spots and you're just like, holy yeah. shit, Mark. I, I, and I got to get to this. We're going off a little bit, but I got to get to this. We're going so off today. My wife is my wife is. She, I'm watching it with my her, wife. and she thinks it's great. And she's listening to Lionel, who's explaining how he's you know getting all these these egos together and getting them on the same page. And it wasn't seamless. But I'm sitting there, and she's going. So who wrote it? And I'm like, well, for the most part, it's Michael and Quincy. But when it no, Michael and Michael uh, Lionel and Quincy Lionel yeah. yeah I mean Quincy got the tape Quincy and... yeah did the arranging but um, there's some there's a couple of spots I don't know if you remember this where they're trying to figure out like harmonies right mm -hmm. where Kenny Rogers is sitting right there and he's right next to Paul Simon he's like switched to all on the end you know it was Stevie and, Wonder's like can I help yeah and I'm like God damn wouldn't would you love to just be that oh, dude. wouldn't you love to be that and I'm like and I'm thinking to myself and, and, and Quincy comes over and he just walks over all smooth like and goes we're just going to switch this and Paul and Kenny are like you know well I don't know that's kind of hard but they do it they pull it off and then and Jen's like and she's like you know do you think Jen says to me how do you come over to two people that are that big that have done such groundbreaking things and say you're just going to do that and I said well that's Quincy that's you're, you're talking about Quincy Jones. He did everything fucking great. You know, everything. He, he, yeah. did, he is Thriller. He's Thriller. And I'm like, you know, and I said, and then I stopped and I went, you know, we know somebody that can do that. And she goes, who? And I went, Mark. I recorded a song with Mark called Father to a Sister of a Thought. It's a cover of a Silver Jew song, for those of you that know. For those of you that don't, it's a great song. Well, Father of a Sister of a Thought is a, I'm is sorry. a pavement song. I'm sorry. We did advice to the graduate. Yes, I'm sorry, I got mixed up there no for problem. a second, but which is a Silver Juice song, and and uh, there were more than a few spots where Mark did kind of exactly what Quincy did, and he stopped <laughs> and he was like, "You you want to take it?" He's like, "Let's take it up like this," and he didn't necessarily do it. He's just like, "You're gonna go up like this," and then there's spots where I'm supposed to sing and go down, and I'm like, and then by the end of it, I'm like, "Fuck, I sound great." Mark, you're our only County Quincy Jones. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, thanks. I yeah. definitely don't think I deserve that. Never realized it. that, but but go watch it. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. There is a very very cool part. Um, God, I the whole thing's great. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're just gonna have to listen to us talk about this for a little bit longer. I apologize. <laughs> go ahead, please. So there is a very very famous video of Bob Dylan mumbling along oh. while everybody is singing the whole part, and everybody always kind of like like laughed about it. And I always thought it was very sad because this is Bob Dylan in the 80s, not doing too well. But he's Bob fucking Dylan. Like, 
He's Bob fucking Dylan. So he's he's just kind of sitting there. And you can tell he's out of his element. And there were a couple parts we were recording with Bob Dylan and with and with Bruce Springsteen separately. And they want him to kind of like just do like a like a solo thing that kind of helps like transition the song. And so they go over to him and they they start playing the song. And I mean, you know, the fucking chorus, if you've heard the song, we are the world, we are the children. He's just got to basically sing that. And he's just he he's just mumbling. It's embarrassing. It's hard to watch. He's just mumbling and it's and it's just like. What is going on? But then. And then he and then Quincy Jones goes over and kind of starts working his magic. And even he can't really get it out of him. And Stevie Wonder takes him and brings him over to the piano. And Stevie Wonder basically does this fucking exact replica of Bob Dylan's singing voice. <coughs> and when Bob Dylan hears how it's supposed to sound coming out of like coming out with his voice, a, a a fucking switch flips and he, he re he's like, okay, I can do that. And you, he starts smiling and he's like, Oh, okay. It's so unreal hearing Stevie wonder mimic how he sounds. And you start thinking that like Bob Dylan knows that he's not known for his voice. And here he is singing with fucking Steve Perry and, you know, fucking Cindy Lauper, who has the fuck this range that's insane. Diana fucking Ross. I mean, all of these fucking people that are singers, except for Dan Aykroyd. I don't know why. Uh, what the was fuck he Dan, doing there? I had no, no clue. Idea. I know when, when the woman's talking about everybody, she wants to get together and she mentions him. I was like, what? Why are you wasting a spot for him? And Waylon Jennings. Oh, yeah. What kind of what was he doing there? I don't know. Yeah. Weird. yeah. Um, but uh, then he goes over and he fucking takes it one take, pops it out. And and he, and, he, and his Mark, his demeanor shifted from oh yeah from from in a box to like all of us like he said Stevie Wonder hit a switch and Bob Dylan pops out. Yeah, and it's he just, did it, and he was like, "Oh, I need to take another one." They're like, "I swear that's good." And he's like, "Are you sure?" Yeah. And he says to Quincy, "I know you know." He oh, says to Quincy, "Like yeah. I know that's not perfect." Right. And I thought that was very moving and very telling. Anyway, you should watch it. It's it's forty people that know their way around a studio, yeah. minus like you said, Dan Aykroyd, maybe Al Jarreau as well. <laughs> oh yeah, also a yeah, mess. Yeah. Um, so this album was released in the very as as um, my friend Seth here alluded to, uh, was released very very early on. The first single they actually released. Uh, if we're kind of being like real about it, it's a song called mm. Key Punch Operator. This is the B-side to this. So this wasn't even necessarily released as a single, but everyone fucking knows the song. The album came out in 1981, Business as Usual, as I mentioned before. Uh, written by Colin Hay and Ron Streichert. I do not want to get into more <laughs> not talking about the song. I will say, though, I hate the show Scrubs with all of my might. A lot of people love Scrubs, never, and it's something that makes people Mark, hate me. Mark, Mark. Mark, oh. I, I can't stand that show. It's yeah, very I, stupid. I didn't like it. Though I don't have a problem with Donald Faison and I don't have a problem with Zach Braff. I'm glad that they have a very close friendship and that's all great. A problem with the Zach Braff. The only other thing about that TV show that I really, the only thing about the TV show that I really like is that it really threw Colin Hay back into the limelight because Colin Hay is a national fucking treasure. He's such a great singer and songwriter. He's such a cool fucking guy. 
And I was very, very happy to see that that kind of thrust him back into the line. Except one thing. So. I have one little issue with him. We'll keep going. I'll okay. bring it up. Yeah. Um, so this song came out in 1981 and, as you know, became a huge hit. Um, it went number one in their home country, of course, and then topped the New Zealand charts as well. It, it went on a lot of charts. And then, yeah, from yeah, there, it was uh, it was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, in the UK, the song topped the charts in January and February of 1983, the only Men at Work song to make the UK top 20. It, it went, also went number one in Denmark, uh, Ireland, Italy, Switzerland, and was a top 10 hit in many other countries. Yeah, New Zealand, of course. Norway, two. South Africa, two. Switzerland, one. UK one, US one, Hot one hundred one, Cashbox one, dude. It just it went yeah. it went fucking nuts. Um, and so he, this is where things get interesting. Yes. When we did this song, I thought we're going to be laughing about these fucking lyrics. Colin Hay surprised me a little bit. Me too. Not going to say we're not going to laugh at any of the lines, but there's some. Wow. Yeah. Um, the music video and the song um, kind of blew my mind. Yeah, Mark, can we say it aged well, especially yes. for where we live? Yes, it did. Yeah, we've got a lot of fucking, uh, we've got a lot of quotes to read here. Yeah. This is from the Wikipedia article. It says, Down Under is perceived as a patriotic song in Australia. It remains popular and is often played at sporting events. In Triple M's Ozist 100, mm. the most Australian songs of all time, it was ranked number two behind a song called K-Song. I listened to it. So did I. Flat out awful. Uh, well, I thought it was um, It was like their Sam Stone. It was... Oh, Sam Stone's way better, dude. Well, but I mean, like, it's it's it, what it's about. It's basically someone coming home from, from Vietnam to Australia. So, Mark... So it's like their version of an Australian person that was sent to to Vietnam coming back and having to deal with, you know, PTSD, shell shock, as it was known back then, et cetera. So if you know anything about the history of Australia, they were involved in Vietnam as well um, to a much lesser degree than us. But they were also involved in World War One and World War Two. Many years before this guy had written, I don't know his name, I can't remember it, but I do know the song very well. A Mr. Song, Cold Chisel? Yeah, oh. no. A, a song called The Band Played Waltzing Matilda. And it is about the same topic, men coming home from war and dealing with things like PTSD, except from the view viewpoint of a veteran from World War One and the Gallipoli campaign. And Mark, it is a fucking fantastic song. Why that didn't take number one, I have no idea. Because I think that's what Cold Chisel was trying to do with K-San. They're trying to re-emulate that feeling of a band plays waltzing, band plays waltzing Matilda, and I don't think they caught it. I don't. I don't understand why that. I don't understand why this song is not number one. This could yeah. be number one. I, it, really? Yeah. I mean, I think it. I, I think it probably has something to do with the fact that it. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even going to pretend to know. Yeah, I don't know. You, I want you to listen to that song later. We'll go over it. For you listeners out there, go check out Band Played Waltzing Matilda. I think it's a much better song. But uh, it's just something that I'd like to point out. When they're talking about songs from Australia, I kind of, you know, this is me. Waltzing Matilda is a little more obscure. This one's a little bit more popular. I, I, and and K-San's definitely more obscure. I just think this should, this should be number one. That's my feeling. 
Um, before we get into the lyrics here, I will mention that in 2009, the music publishing company that owns the rights to the Australian children's song Kookaburra sued mm. uh, the Down Under songwriters claiming the flute riff copied the children's classic. On February 4th, 2010, a judge ruled in favor of Lyric and Music, which owned the Kookaburra publishing rights. Uh, the song having been originally penned by music teacher Marion Sinclair in 1932. Right. Um, the judge said that it does uh, reproduce a substantial part of Kookaburra. The lawsuit asked for 60% of the publishing rights. The judgment was for 5%, retroactive to 2002, netting Lyric in about $100,000. Um, According to Colin Hay, legal fees in the case totaled about $4.5 million as he fought it aggressively. And he should have. Mm. You've heard the Kookaburra song, right? Yeah. I think that the, judge rule, the judge's ruling was more than a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's elements to it, but not enough. Not Definitely not enough. Sam Smith owed Tom Petty uh, a couple of bucks for Stay With Me, you know, for the way it sounds like I won't back down. Um, mm-hmm. But this is, is far more of a stretch than that. Hey said after the judgment, I'll go to my grave knowing Down Under is an original piece of work. In over 20 years, no one noticed a reference to Kookaburra. Marion Sinclair never made any claim that we had appropriated any part of her song, and she was alive when Down Under was a hit. Apparently, she didn't notice either. Greg Ham, who was the flute player for the band, who contributed the controversial flute part, told Melbourne's The Age newspaper, it will be the way the song is remembered, and I hate that. I'm terribly disappointed that that's the way I'm going to be remembered for copying something. According to Colin Hay, it was the stress of the court case that led to the death of Ham at the age of 58 in 2012. Died of a heart attack suddenly, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it seems very intense to say... This dude died because of the stress of someone saying that the flute part was from Kookaburra. And I mean, like, you're a musician. I, I'm I'm positive I have accidentally aped stuff and gripped stuff from songs. Yeah. Um, there was a song I wrote in a songwriting group that had a uh, keyboard part that had a lot like a an air organ part that was strikingly similar to a um, Nutramilk Hotel song. I didn't realize at first. And then later on, I realized it. Um, but I mean, come on, you fucking whatever. I, I, I mean, that's pretty intense to die of a heart attack because I don't think that's going to take Kukabara you out. Mark. Flute part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I did it too. Yeah. I did. I, I, I once was uh, sitting there with a songwriting pal and I was des- He had written so many and I had only written one and I was desperately trying to put something else out there and I started playing something one time and writing lyrics to it, and then somebody looks at me and say, "Hey, it sounds like a Sebado song." And I went, "Oh, and that's that might have put the <laughs> heart. It is that might have put the heart in the knife of my songwriting career that moment. It, that I, I I must say. Well, that sucks. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's hard. It's I mean, you don't realize um, if you're not a songwriter how easy it is because music's everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, it sits in your fucking subconscious, man. And it, sometimes it can be really tough. And there have definitely been um, situations. Um, I think um, it might have been Blackbird by the Beatles or Yesterday, the, where where Paul McCartney was like asking everybody, are you sure you haven't heard this before? I, I think that's right. Because yeah. he felt so sure that he was gripping something and he felt awful I about it. I think he thought he might have been lifting from Bach or something like that and he was yeah. concerned about it. Yeah. Mark, music is everywhere. Music is everything. Music is everywhere. Music is still the king. Maybe not the exact words, but paraphrasing a huge loss this week. 
in Mojo Nixon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge loss. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Elvis right. is everywhere. With that, mm. let's go ahead and get into these lyrics. Let's do them. So we get the little ding, dig a 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 on those with those drumsticks I don't know not the bottles that they're playing in the music video yeah I think I think I, got, I figured it out you know the the uh, the galvanized pipes that are on uh, chain link fences oh, I that's think that's what it sounds like I think I could have sworn I remember hitting a stick and it sounded like that on one of the pipes it very well could be mm. um, alright then we get our first verse mm. traveling in a fried out combi <laughs> on a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady. She made me nervous. She took me in and gave me breakfast. And she said, do you come from a land down under where women glow and men plunder? Can't you hear? Can't you hear the thunder? You better run. You better take cover. Before we go into the lyrics, can we can we bring up what I think is problematic about his vocals? Sure. Right here from the get-go. I'll just get this out of the way. In that, uh, have you ever heard Colin Hay speak? I don't know that I have. He's got a bit of a Scottish accent. Okay. Which is not unusual for Australia. And Mark, am I wrong in thinking that this guy is emulating a reggae Jamaican patois style? It, so this song does have a little bit of a ska reggae feel. Nothing wrong with that. Just this vocal styling. Yeah, I can kind of hear that. Uh, it it kind of... Like a little fake patois, like fake toi. Yeah, it kind of is a little bit grating in a way. It's like not one of the better parts of the song, in my opinion. I would have been prouder if he had just done it in his... Maybe even... A, 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 maybe it's not native to him, because I think he is from Scotland, um, just going by the, uh, the, the accent. If you hear any of the guys from ACDC, they sound like they're from a mixture of Australia and Scotland. I think he might have that same thing going with him. And if he had done one of those accents, I might feel a little more comfortable about it. It just sounds kind of weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so. so we need to talk a little bit about some of these words and what they mean, mm -hmm. uh, because this first verse has got three, maybe four words that you're not going to know what the fuck they mean. So the first one is combi, which is short for combinations frost wagon. <laughs> Um, Mark, you're full of Farfignugan today. Which is basically a Volkswagen bus mm. seen driven uh, by Mr. Hay in the music video. Um, so that is that is a combi, and it is fried out, which basically means no good uh, or like, you know, pretty much broken down. Right. Uh, head full of zombie. Zombie is a kind of marijuana. Uh, I guess it's kind of marijuana in general, but apparently it was a particularly strong kind of marijuana that was floating around Australia. Um, and people refer to it as zombie grass. Mark? Yeah. So I work with a lot of Caribbean people, and there is a word that they use to describe an evil spirit, maybe a demon or someone who has been overtaken with bad vibes called zombie. Have okay. you ever heard of it? No, Jumbie. It's a it's a look it up. It's a real word. I they, believe you. They use it in the Caribbean, and 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 to me, it sounds. I've heard, I, I should say I have heard something like that. I I know you know I almost made this a trivia question that you know, the idea of the zombie, mm -hmm. 
uh, there are a lot of people that believe that it started with like Haitian voodoo. Right. And that it comes from a word very similar to. So that. in the song, it kind of sounds like you saying jumbie and instead of zombie to mm-hmm. me in a way, once again, affecting some sort of Caribbean patois again, you know, and it, it uh, I don't know, problematic to say the least. I mean, it's not too far out. When I suppose you could say when you listen to it and you pay attention, he's say he's saying zombie. But I always thought maybe because of the patois, like insinuating jumbie, you know. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, I guess we should just go on real on record real quick to say, this is pretty stupid. Um. He's talking about him and his friends, I guess, being high and driving in a fucking VW, and then he meets a strange lady he's nervous for some reason in the music video the woman looks kind of mediterranean mm-hmm. um or maybe like um uh like uh western european or something um and uh i don't know why she makes him nervous mm-hmm. um and then she takes him in and makes him breakfast i'm guessing not the other people and i don't know why there's really no explanation as to why this is going down there is no explanation. Okay. It's just, just an exposition sure. to the song, and it, you're right. Not Maybe not the best choice. I mean, it, it becomes a tad bit more um, prob- problematic with the um, she made me nervous, I, I think. Why? Yeah. You know, and I guess why? I should say I'm kind of conflating the music video with a song. In the music video, the rest of the band is in the back, and they are obviously stoned out of their gourd. But I guess in the song, he just says that he's traveling in a fried out combi on a hippie trail head full of zombie. So he's driving around high. He meets a strange lady who makes him nervous. Maybe that's why. Maybe he's got yeah. the marijuana induced paranoia. I think the lyrics imply written from a first person, uh, solitary first person uh, experiencing something and not necessarily the band. I see where you get with that, where you're getting that. But um, what the fuck did she do to make him nervous? And, and that, that kind of lingers over the whole first verse to me. Yeah. It just kind of sits above it like what what is she doing? What's what's so makes you so nervous about her? You know, is is he implying that she's like a hippie chick like, you know, like the Camarillo Brillo that Frank Zappa talked about? She's breeding a dwarf and she wasn't done yet. Is she one of those kind of, you know, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, no, I, I never got too too into Zappa. I mean, is like a like a like a hippie chick that's like, you know, into mysticism and, you know, like tries to draw men in, you know. Mm. Is is that maybe what he's talking about? I wish there was more to it. I mean, again, I think that maybe it's just the head full of zombie that's got him automatically a little worried. I guess maybe. Yeah. Um, and then you know we've got the chorus here uh, where she says, uh, where she asks him, "Do you come from a land down under?" So um, I don't want to get, I don't want to throw all the quotes at you at once, but I will say that you know these lyrics in part are supposed to be about. Colin Hayes travels around the world and different people that he met and basically how people I think treated him or reacted to him being from Australia uh, where women glow and men plunder. Um, so the, the, the women glow and the men plunder part is a little interesting. I think we're getting a little bit more into the, uh, into what Colin Hay meant mm-hmm. uh, when he, you know, when he wrote the song. Yeah. The Genius Annotation says gender equality in the 80s was a problem across the world as it is now. In Australia, men are stereotyped as being working citizens while women as stay-at-home citizens who don't earn money. More likely, he's just saying that the women are beautiful and the men are thieves. 
Lyricist Colin Hay said that in the general, the song is about the plundering of the country by greedy people. Um, we're getting yeah, into we're getting it there. more it's and good, more. It's good. Yeah. Women glow could also be a reference to the heat of Australia, quoting from the saying, horses sweat, men perspire, but women glow, which originated in Victorian etiquette. Now, Mark, I don't know. I've yeah, never know been either. to Australia, but I Looks have. Looks hot. I, well, I was just going to say, I have seen. Looks hot as hell. Because of the internet, some of the ladies that come from Australia, and it seems to me that from what I've seen, that I get the impression that Australia might be chock full of beautiful ladies. Mm-hmm. Have, I mean, have are you picking up that too? Yeah. I mean, just from, you know, whenever I see someone from Australia, they tend to be very good looking people. Yeah. Men and women. I mean, they just kind of do. So this whole women glow and men plunder, I do where get where he's coming about. More on that later, but... Uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of flattering things to say uh, about, you know, the ladies of Australia. Can Uh, you hear? Can't you hear the thunder? Can you hear? Can you hear the thunder? You better run. You better take cover. Mm. So to me, this is kind of the most important uh, part of the song in this first chorus. What do you think? Speaking to song facts about the overall meaning of the lyric, uh, Hay remarked, Jesus Christ, I can't fucking read today. Stutter factory over there. Speaking to song facts about the overall meaning of this lyric, Hay remarked, The chorus is really about the selling of Australia in many ways, the overdevelopment of the country. It was a song about the loss of spirit in that country. It's really about the plundering of the country by greedy people. It is ultimately about celebrating the country, but not in a nationalistic way and not in a flag-waving sense. It's really more than that. Um... We'll talk a little bit about the music video here, which is largely them just kind of reenacting stuff going on in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So we won't talk about some of it because we haven't gotten to those lyrics yet. But I will mention, um, you know, in this first verse, the band is in some sand dunes and a man comes by and plunges a sold sign. Mm. Into the sand dunes. It's kind of close to home, doesn't it, Mark? And, and I'll tell you, when we watched this, the first words that came out of Seth's mouth were... Kind of like here. Kind of like Florida. Yeah. Which... You, you have can't... to remember, this song came out in the 1980s. You know, we think now about... Um, you know, about like Outback Steakhouse. And we think about Crocodile Dundee and all this stuff. I mean, Australia became very big, hip stuff. Um, but around the same time, there's another band called Midnight Oil. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot all about that. And they were, um, doing the same thing alleged, apparently from what Colin Hay was doing, <clears throat> was making a lot of music about Aboriginal people and about their country Rights and what was going on there. Rights of the indigenous. Yes. And, and the selling of the country from underneath their fucking feet. And, um, you know, if you've ever listened to Beds Are Burning by Midnight Oil, I, I mean, it is one of those songs where you just hear it and be like, oh, okay, cool. And then you listen to the fucking lyrics and you're like, holy shit, this song is about how, you know, this song would be like the equivalent of an all white band being like, we need to give our land back to Native Americans. Boy, did we fuck up. That's exactly. And 
you know. Well, I mean, the, the lyrics in that song are much, much more on the surface. The time has not reading them. The time has come to say fair, fair's fair to pay our rent, to pay our, our share. share. The time has come. A, a fact's a fact. fact. It, it belongs, belongs to them. them. Let's give it back. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's it's pretty. And that guy went on to become involved in the Australian Parliament yeah. and put forward his policies from the fucking song. Talk about backing up your words, man. Yeah, the song is often misinterpreted as a patriotic anthem. Colin Hay told Song Facts, it's ironic to me that so many people thought it was about a specific thing, and that really wasn't the attention, intention behind the song. If you listen to Born in the USA, which is a past episode we've done, it's a similar song in that there's a lot of nuance missed because people like drinking beer and throwing their arms up in the air and feeling nationalistic. It's ultimately a song about celebration. But it's a matter of what you choose to celebrate about, a country or a place. White people haven't been in Australia all that long, and it's truly an awesome place. But one of the most interesting and exciting things about the country is what was there before. The true heritage of a country often gets lost in the name of progress and development. Holy shit. I got chills reading that. I mean, like. Can't agree more. Yeah. Somebody needs to write a song. Somebody needs to get to work and write a song about that for Florida. A real about America or a real one. I mean, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there are some songs uh, that have been written about America like that. Yeah. Um, But wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, And in the music video, you see the band walking, carrying a. There are four pallbearers carrying a de facto coffin yes. while heading on into the outback that has been plowed over by very large uh, electrical power lines that are scarring the landscape while one person is standing behind them uh, kind of beating... With a cat of nine tails. Yeah, which I think symbolizes... Uh, I think that might symbolize greed. Yeah. You know, like as much as you try to hold something reverent, it's going to be impossible because that greed's just going to beat it down, you know. Yeah. Um it's it man, I saw that video a thousand times when I was a kid, never thought anything of it. Youth and naivety uh, factor into that, but just watched it now and man, does it just take on a whole different life after uh after a whole different view uh after growing up with what i have and, and knowing what i know about yeah. the song yeah very silly music video by and large but with a couple of very serious points that they're making mm. the selling of the land right underneath their feet and um you know being basically pushed aside mark verse, verse two gets just just a little strange and he goes to different spots all over the globe yeah of course yeah Buying bread from a man in Brussels. He was six foot four and full of muscle. I said, Do you speak of my language? And he just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. And he said, I come from a land down under where beer does flow and men chunder. Can't you hear? Can't you hear the thunder? You better run. You better take cover. Yeah. Do you speak of my language? Yeah. Oh, you mean your thick Jamaican patois? I'm sorry. Excuse me? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, how, it, it is kind of... Pretty hard to ignore. It yeah. is kind of odd, though, Mark. I mean, it's it's cool and odd at the same time. This, this uh, verse right here is... 
he finds a, a fellow Aussie in Brussels, which I don't know if you know this, but Belgium is a country about the size of Maryland. Very it's tiny. really small with only about four or five million people in it. And he's coming from this country that is about the size of the middle of freaking America. I mean, the, the, the better portion of America. By the way, this is also very strange, Mark. I looked this up uh, before we came over here. Australia, and I'm going to say only, that sounds strange, but only has 44 million people. When hmm. you say only, 44 million, Mark, there's more people in Texas. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's really weird. But he finds this guy <clears throat> in Brussels, um, six foot four. That's typically Belgian. They're, they are the tallest, uh, some of the tallest people by nationality and by per capita in the world. They're all, they're almost all over six feet. And he sees this guy who's probably typically Belgian and, hey, do you speak of my language? And then he is offered a Vegemite sandwich. Mark, tell me about Vegemite. Vegemite is a yeast byproduct. It's disgusting. And it tastes gross. Um, and I, I know that we have listeners in Australia and New sorry, Zealand sorry. And, uh, yeah, and from other countries that probably like it. And they're going, no, no, it tastes good. It's good. No, no. But I'm here to tell you it does not. It does not taste they good. They had one. Yeah. Um, I've had Marmite and I've had Vegemite and gross and gross. No, thanks. How do you eat that shit? But he gets one in Belgium, Mark. How the hell does he get one? I didn't even know they they sold Vegemite in uh, fucking Belgium. Well, so I I mean, apparently the man in Brussels is from a land down under. Yeah, he probably packed it away with him. Yeah, he probably brought some. He probably goes back once a year. Um, Mark, I don't really know. I, I mean, this Brussels muscle rhyme is just. Weak as hell. You think so? The uh, the the, art, the article also says this can also be a pun on how Brussels, the capital of Belgium, is famous for its muscles. Okay, like what, like Jean Claude Van Damme or some shit? <laughs> yeah, muscles okay. from Brussels. Yeah, whatever. I mean, but that's this is before Van Damme's time. Do you speak of my language? It's <laughs> it, it's it, take away the patois thing. Just imagine going to someone in Brussels and going. Do you speak of my language? It just sounds Boy, so shitty and offensive. It does. It sounds like you're like trying to like, it's like, you know, when people go to Italy and they're like, do a, you a speaker American? <laughs> uh, Mario, you got it a pizza pie. <laughs> you're my best friend. I'm on a me. If I speak like this, then you'll know that I, uh, mm. I, I somewhat know what your language is supposed to sound like. Pete Holmes once said that Italian is the last language, is the last accent that we can safely mock as Americans. <laughs> That's He's, fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get a little bit of change in the course. I come from I come from a land down under where beards flow and men chunder. Seth. <clears throat> so all across the world, they have different adjectives for di- different things that Americans might not know about. For instance, did you know, Mark, that when you chunder? In Australia, it means you have vomited after drinking too much. I did. That's what genius told me. And But it's true. Did you know that uh, Haver, which is uh, popularly used in the hit song 500 Miles, I Would Walk, by, mean, by the Proclaimers? Oh, fantastic group. Um, uh, that means to babble or it, to talk foolishly, usually after drinking. I did know that after a trip to the British Isles. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So the beer flow basically saying that uh, they're all alcoholics down there. Um, and then we get the can you hear? Can you hear the thunder again? You Let's better not run. You better that. take cover. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not address 
the rampant alcoholism in Australia. I think it might be a thing, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the article immediately says Australia is famous for its beer and no, not Foster's. And then gives a couple different that Victoria bitter. Uh, yeah, they make it's chewies. called It's called VB, Mark. Have you ever had it? No. I when I drank, I had it. What? Is it a bitter? Dude, what the fuck are those people made of, man? <laughs> I'm sorry. Strange but, shit. Uh, Cy, if you're listening, could you please tell us <laughs> what in the hell they drink that shit like it's going on in style? Mark, it's like something like as a beer, like a tall is like 5.4% alcohol. And that's just, that's like a production. That's like their Budweiser, man. And they chug that shit. God damn. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah. Uh, then we get a little instrumental break. There's some flute playing. It's good. My man Greg Ham is going ham. He is going. Is it Greg? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, he's so. got that. Uh, Carrier Greg. In the video, he's got that stuffed koala up in the tree with him. While yeah, he's, while he, he loves hams. that koala. Yeah. Then we get uh, the third verse. Lying in a den in Bombay, with a slack jaw and not much to say, I said to the man, "Are you trying to tempt me?" Because I come from the land of plenty. And he said, Oh, you come from a land down under? Oh, yeah. Where women glow and men plunder? Can't you hear? Can't you hear the thunder? You better run. You better take cover. And then the chorus goes on a bunch of yeah, times. We don't have to go over all the times it goes over the chorus. I mean, here I guess I want to ask. So this guy in, in Bombay... Who's working in an opium den, um, which I think is what they're referring to. That here. is what they're referring to. Um, Bombay, Even without seeing the video, I kind of came to that conclusion. Yeah. When did Bombay become Mumbai? That might have been like either uh, late 80s, probably mid 90s. Okay. Yeah, mid 90s. So he's safe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why in the past... I think that someone who is from Australia has always said, I come from man on under blah, 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 blah. Can't you hear? Can't you hear the thunder? Uh, you better run. You better take cover, which makes a little more sense. Why is this guy from India asking if he can hear the thunder? <laughs> I don't know where this guy comes in. I mean, he's just like an opium den, Indian opium den worker. For the I, best I know. Have we come to the conclusion that the thunder, the thunder is, um, is the, encroachment of development and how if that's the case how is a guy in mumbai bombay going to know about that pre-internet from the other side not the other side but a decent portion of the way around the world how is that going to be a topic how's that going to be a topic in an opium denmark yeah denmark <laughs> so um it says in the music video, the band can be seen moving a coffin across the sand dunes. This is a representation of a warning to his fellow fellow Australians that their country's uniqueness and identity was dying as a result of overdevelopment and Americanization. Hmm. The same ominous predilection lies behind the next line, too. Um, you better run. You better take cover. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know. I think it just might be, you know, a distant, far off sound of impending Doom, like you hear thunder when it's going to start raining. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I why the, again, I don't know why a Bombay opium den worker. I also don't know why he says, are you trying to tempt me? That's, that's what lays <laughs> over this entire thing. The only thing we understand 
about the opium worker or the den worker or this gentleman or whoever the hell it is, is that he's standing over him and trying to, according to Colin Hay, trying to tempt him. That doesn't of for and and is it just because he comes from Australia? Uh, here's a good question, Mark. This is, is very very in line with uh, Cornholio asking, "Are you threatening me?" <laughs> It seems like maybe Colin Hay and Cornholio have this in common, a uh, a paranoia. Because, you know, he also says in the first verse that there is a, a strange lady that made him nervous. Yeah. So maybe it's a little Australian xenophobia. I was just going to say. Or, I mean, maybe it's got just... a first world problem here. Yeah, I mean, I maybe mean, it's just... well, first, maybe, world, first world arrogance. Well, I mean, it could very well be, uh, you know, and I don't want to throw around the word xenophobia too much, but it could very well be some worry um, because they are being kind of displaced by this Americanization and losing their, their Australianism to an extent character. And so they are a little on the fence uh, about other people from different, different areas. Do you Hmm. think that's too much? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. That's kind of might be, I'm not sure about that one actually. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I don't, there's there's so this is such a vague. All of the verses are so vague, you know. Uh, those the first and the third, um, you know, uh, even the second. I guess the chorus is really what you know kind of brings across our message when you when you pay attention and, and round out the song. Um, yeah. You know, the other ones are. And I you know I'm sitting here reading this and it's kind of unusual, Mark. So a common theme in um, Celtic or Gaelic music, and maybe even this has to do with uh, Colin Hay being from Scotland, a common theme that you're going to hear in that in their music is they talk a lot about going all around the world. If you ever listened to a lot of Pogue songs, you know, Stepped Over Bodies in Bombay, Trying to Make It to the USA, there's a lot of songs about them traveling all over the world. And right. I think that kind of fits... You know, with what they're doing, Australia is a place uh, that's filled up with people from another place, Mala America. You know, um, so it doesn't it doesn't really go too far out of the realm of of uh, of topics for those for those places and those people. I it, it just kind of popped up to me that 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 seems to that that, that this has that in common um, with you know like Irish music in a way. Um, even though it definitely does, it sounds far more, you know, island Caribbean reggae than those when it comes to the musicality of it. But the the real message in this is uh, is definitely, definitely the chorus, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, I think that unfortunately, it isn't very obvious just by reading the chorus on its own. No. I think it helps to hear from Colin Hay, and I mean, the fact that he says, you know. I think that a lot of people misinterpret this or people don't understand it. I think to an extent it's kind of his fault. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to do. The song is not uh, very like it doesn't do a very good. I mean, and this is a hard thing for an artist, right? Is you don't want to you don't want to write it for them. You don't want to like you don't want to paint it for them. You want them to be able to come to the conclusion themselves. Um, but at the same time, 
you want them to be able to understand what it is you're trying to do and where you're trying to come from. You don't want it to stray too far off the topic that they don't understand anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it, this this might be guilty of that. Still not terrible, just just so vague in the first three verses that it's hard to follow. Yeah, it's just kind of talking randomly about, like I said, being on tour and going around and um, the different experience that you have talking to people that are not Australians. It does. It is. This is definitely, I mean, a song written for Australians with all the references, you know, the Vegemite, the combi, the (sighs) the chunder, you know, it just happened to catch on in the United States and the rest of the world. I might add with the chart performance. I will uh, mention as, as I was saying before with uh, the possible xenophobia, et cetera. uh, One of my favorite tweets of all time says, Nobody fears being replaced and invaded more than the descendants of genocidal settlers. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, I mean <clears throat> the the people, you know, the people that are the ones who did the the displacing don't want to be displaced because they know what displacement looks like because they did it. Oh, shit. Look what our ancestors did. Yeah. It's <laughs> oh, like, shit. hey, you can't do this. And it's like, why not? You did it. It's like, exactly. All of a sudden we wake up to that. And <laughs> oh, my God, is that what woke means, Mark? Uh, he, I mean, kind of. To an extent, yeah. yeah. One of the many different reasons for it. Yeah. Um, go ahead and give this a creep factor. God, man, I thought about this the last time we were here. We're bottoming out on our creeps. Yeah, there, we well, really I mean, we've, are. We've had some non-creep songs for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, maybe, maybe we could derive something. I met a strange lady. She made me nervous. She took me in and gave me breakfast. What do you follow in a strange nervous lady for if something not nefarious? You know, I I don't I don't know. It, could we just you know derive something a little bit creepy out of that? I don't know. Not not really. But just because that line's in there and I pose the question, I give this a zero point six. I give it the point six for that. Yeah. I mean, which is higher than the last two weeks, I think. You know, but really zero. There's there's nothing creepy about it. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna give it a zero. A zero just, just a, a flat, flat out zero. zero. Okay, yeah. If I gotta give it something, I'll give it a zero point one. Right. Um. All right. All right. All right, guys. So we've done. Here's the funny part, Mark. We've done. Uh, we've done Europe, which is a band from Europe. Asia, which is not a band from Asia. Band from America, which we did the next week. Also a band from Eric America that wrote the song. In Europe. <laughs> but this week, we did a band from Australia. So I think we've rounded out. I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah, we've rounded out our continental uh, four-piece or our continental, the continental quad, so to speak. Thank mm-hmm. you so much as we stumble all over our words this week. Um, so I, I just like to shake your hand right here, miming hands, um, to, that we have put the, the continents to rest, so to speak. But now we're moving into... Maybe bring up the creep factor a little bit. Maybe not. We're going to get there eventually, but next week might be a little strange, a little weird, yeah. a little different. Well, you know, so we have a list. We have a master list of maybe 15, 20 songs. Some that really get us going and some that we have just kind of like for a rainy day. We have some songs that have been on the list since we've basically been doing the podcast. Yeah, there's one or two that's like that we old. just have not touched yet that we're like we don't think that we don't we don't know if they'll necessarily be super strong episodes or whatever but we've got them maybe that's like the death knell of lyrics to go we start picking up at some of the top songs there but we were just recently talking about how we had to do 
a Toby Keith song. And we know we had already done one, but we wanted to do another one. Ain't as good as I once was, which I I love that song. That's fine. Yeah. And Seth tells me he, he ain't doing too good. I'm like, oh, I did. I had no idea he wasn't in good health. Mm. That was last week. And so then he and then then he died. And then Big Rip. Kobe Teeth. Passed away 2024. So we're going to honor him by doing courtesy of the red, white, and blue next week on Lyrics to Go. Hope and pray that none of my family listens. Now, we really, we just honestly <laughs> off mic had a th- five minute discussion about whether or not we were going to do this song or we we're going to do Beer for My Horses, which we both shudder to think about doing a Willie Nelsie. 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 Willie Nelsie song on here. Get away from it this week. Yeah, I know. My fucking mouth is just... It's all right. My mouth is made for fucking not talking. Whoa. Yeah. Don't tell them. (laughs) Don't let them on. Um, But yeah. So uh, we are going to to stay away from the Willie Nelson song. We are not going to do Beer for My Horses. Uh, We are going to do Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. By Kobe Teeth. Remember that we are going to dismantle this song with every ounce of love and respect in, maybe not respect <laughs> in us. <laughs> Which that we possibly maybe can more than me. Yeah, I have very little. I, I love Toby Keith. I'm sorry. That's fine. I, yeah, listen, Don't be sorry. it's great. He's great because um, I in in certain aspects, not every aspect, I relate to him. Um, since he has passed away, there's all these people that are throwing things around saying, "Oh, he doesn't like you know uh, he can't he you know thank God." He does. He hates woke people, and he wants to kick Garth Brooks out of his concerts all the way. By the way, it's complete bullshit. The man was a lifelong Democrat that registered independent eventually because he didn't want to get caught up in the bullshit that that you get caught up from, and when you when, you know when you split the difference, when you try to be in the middle, when you just want to try and have a clear head, and he never got involved in that. And he 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 said something that I totally relate to and I stand by please don't get upset friends when you hear this he said all of my uh, Republican friends think I'm a communist and all of my Democrat friends think I'm a Nazi and uh, there are times when I completely understand how he feels uh, when you sit in the middle on certain topic on on some topics and uh, you know I, I, I think that's a wonderful thing I think we need more people like Toby Keith on this planet and sad to say he's gone but he did write some pretty goddamn dumb lyrics sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if I share any of those opinions with Seth, but that's okay. You don't? This world is a beautiful place in so much as we get to uh, we get to have our own opinions. And, uh, and that's one of the things that makes it beautiful. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, so before next Monday... I want you to listen to, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I want you to listen to Courtesy of the Wed, 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 White, and Blue. Wed, White, and Blue. Wed, White, and Blue by Toby Queef. I'm hunting rabbits. <laughs> Anything you want to say before we go? Yeah, yeah. Mojo Nixon's up there hunting rabbits with Elvis in heaven today, and that kind of makes me smile a little bit. Guys, thank you so much for all of the internet activity that we've been getting, a la emails, a la uh, Facebook posts. We've gotten quite a few uh responses to our posts and i appreciate that and 
for all of the reviews that have been given us. Mark, somebody said they had a crush on me in one of our views. Oh, I don't know who you are, but thank you. I've, I rarely ever hear that. Um, thank you for those of you that appreciate our voices. Whiskey for our friends, beer for our voices. And, uh, and, and thank you so much for leaving reviews if you had. Please re- leave another one. Uh, we want to hear what you think about this podcast. Do it at Apple Podcasts. Do it anywhere that you can leave a review. Marky Mark. Yes. Seth, thank you for being here and doing this podcast me, with me. me. me, me. I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your week. Uh, we will be back uh, talking about Kobe Teeth next Monday <laughs> with another episode of Lyrics to Go. Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics2gopod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week.